0: Uh, I'd l- I'm delighted to welcome Frank Hansen, Head of Prevention and Partnerships for the Gangmaster and Labour Abuse Authority for the UK, to the Scotland Against Modern Slavery podcast. They have such an important role to play uh, in, I suppose, in society in the UK, and there's a, there's a very good reason why they exist, a very good reason, a very sad reason, actually, I would say, why they exist. Um, but first of all, Frank, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you,
1: Sharon, and, yeah, delighted to be uh, taking part in this.
0: Frank, well, I've just touched on it there. Tell me, why did the GLA exist? What's your reason?
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to 2004 when it was the Gangmasters and Licensed Authority, and there was a, a tragedy at Morecambe Bay in which 24 Chinese cockle pickers died, basically as a, as a result of being left stranded whilst picking cockles, in the uh, in the sand and that led to obviously a public inquiry and the the nature of how they were treated how they were trafficked exploited really demanded a better regulation not just of the harvesting of shellfish but also it opened uh, I suppose evidence came in of, of wider exploitation particularly in the agricultural sector so the Gangmasters Licensing Authority was established. And its role then was regulatory, and that was to uh, oversee a, a licensing scheme which regulates the supply of workers into the fresh food sector. So that includes agriculture, it includes uh, associated food and packaging processing,
0: as well as the, the harvesting of shellfish. And that's, that's, you know, a really sad and horrific story. I remember. Uh, in my lifetime, you know, it's not that long ago that, that happened, and that horrible tragedy happened. And and at the root of that was worker exploitation, which is um, a sad reason for for the uh, I suppose the the, the the way that the GLA exists just now, but a very very important organisation to ensure or do you ensure that this doesn't happen again? And licensing is such an important part of that. Um, sorry, Frank, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you, you're absolutely right. And 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 we have one simple overarching aim, and that is to work in partnership to protect vulnerable and exploited workers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, abs- you know, this, this to me is what this is all about. This is the, the importance of what we're trying to do. Tell me then, so you've talked about, you know, we, the, the, the picker story, but in general, then, if I ask you about worker exploitation, from your perspective, what is it?
1: Yeah, well, worker exploitation can take many forms, and at its basic, it is workers being denied their their rights, and that could be the right to the national minimum wage. It could be their right to having a safe and healthy work for uh, workplace to work in. So, if they're being denied, you know, the protective clothing or equipment, and it, it can cover, you know, as I say, health and safety and also other employment rights, such as holiday pay, uh, maternity pay, and, and, and so on. But Moving onwards, because it is like a spectrum, labour exploitation, uh, because it op- of, you know, operates on very different levels and in a variety of different ways. And as that spectrum moves along, it can become more extreme, more dangerous, where, you know, a, a person is in effect being kept in, in uh, conditions which amount to modern slavery. Yeah. So their working conditions, their working environment is completely controlled. They often live in, in squalid conditions. They don't have access to the basic amenities in life, such as food, bedding. Uh, often their wages are taken from them. They may be subject to, to violence, to, to harm. Their families may be subjected to violence and harm. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the worst extreme of, of, of work exploitation. But it's one that is unfortunately prevalent across the UK.
0: Yeah. And we are seeing, uh, Frank, you know, our existence for this organisation anyway in Scotland is because I've seen a dramatic increase and those victims caught up in those circumstances that you've just mentioned. A uh, 125% increase in numbers from 2018 to 2019. And from what we understand um, here on the ground, through the COVID pandemic, it's not gone away. It's actually got worse, so we're anticipating the figures to be there or thereabouts. So um, over 500 victims rescued. In 2019, uh, that were referred through the national referral mechanism. So this not it isn't going to go away now. For for me, you know, I, I work in the the recruitment industry, so I have an overview and understanding of um, the GLA. Now mm-hmm. I understand that enforcement um, action, the, uh, enforcement uh, responsibilities, can be slightly different between or significantly different currently between um, the uh, the UK and different nations within the UK. So within Scotland, you'd there's there's there isn't currently enforcement and um, am i right in saying this about the the responsibilities from the gla or could you explain the differences and where it's sure
1: going? yeah i mean our regulatory role our licensing scheme applies across the uk so we have license holders in scotland northern ireland wales and england and we have a team of of, of compliance uh, inspectors that will go out and investigate if in, you know if intelligence is received that workers are being uh, mistreated or exploited by uh, employers or or labor suppliers, labor providers, sorry, in our regulated sector, which is the agricultural sector. In 2017, alongside our regulatory role, we acquired new powers and that was building on the introduction of the Modern Slavery Act and those new powers allow us to investigate uh, cases of, of modern slavery. So those extreme cases where it meets that threshold of, of modern slavery, forced labour trafficking, we can investigate those across the economy. But those powers at the moment are only applicable to us in England and Wales. Okay. Uh, we will assist uh, police and other law enforcement partners in Scotland, in Northern Ireland, with any cases they have but we we don't yet have the authority to use the powers in our own right Okay, uh, but that is something we you know we would like to uh, to see change in, in, in
0: as we go forward and i understand um at this point in time i know it's probably not the time for this discussion frank but there's there's changes afoot with regards to regulation and on, on one body that uh, may change that across the uk which uh, i would welcome quite openly because it simplifies the situation and, and would give Amalgamate a number of organisations together to, to make it a bit more effective. Yeah, I, I,
1: and we know we, the, the government. Uh, I've made it aware that it's in their it's in their intention to create a single enforcement body, and that would see the merging of the Gangmasters and Licensing Licensing Authority with National Minimum Wage, and the Employment Agency Standards. Yeah. So there is that uh, commitment by the government, and we. Obviously, fully supportive of, of of that. We welcome the creation of, of, a, of a single point because I think it would make it clearer uh, to businesses, to the general public, to workers who is responsible for you know worker rights and, and employment rights and and the general labour market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's, that's you know let, let's watch this space and see what happens. I think there's, there's changes the which- footage which look quite interesting and quite promising. And so you kind of touched on there about um, employment agencies, and I suppose that's important for some of the people that may be watching or listening about uh, about labour supply, because, you know, the GLA, we, I work for a recruitment business and we have to have a GLA license. It's all um, consistently something that we have to ensure that we are complying with. And it's, I think, at the core of it is that we are always doing the right thing. And I know in my industry or else the sector, there's instances that I have found, not, when our, not in our business, but in, in, in other areas, that there's maybe agencies that haven't been doing the right thing uh, and sometimes have been complicit in, in doing the wrong thing. And I find that really, really frustrating. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's endemic. I'm just, just, you know, observations that I've made. And um, so if if... If you're a business and you're looking for a new labour supplier or potentially looking at, to, to use a new recruitment agency for, for your temporary labour, what are the types of things you should look for, Frank? What would you advise them to, to keep their eye on or, or to do?
1: Yeah, well, I can talk about the regulator sector because that is the sector that we obviously always see and, and, and have responsibility for. And I think if any... Uh, businesses thinking of using labour in our regulated sector, then the first thing they need to do is is check that that recruitment agency holds a current uh, gang master's licence. And they can do that very easily by going onto our website and we have a public register that's kept up to date and that will show all current licence holders. There is another uh, service that we provide called the Active Checklist. So again, if you register for that active checklist, you will be kept up to date of any changes to those license holders, because obviously some license holders, for various reasons, no longer want to trade in our regulated sector. So they will cease trading and their license will expire. And that means then they are not allowed to provide workers into that sector. I think more generally, it's, it's very much a, a question of, of do your research on those uh, labour providers. Look for you know, good testimonials, look for their track record. And I think above all, the biggest piece of advice is, is get to know the workforce that you are being supplied with. The more you get to know your workers, it doesn't matter that they're temporary or, or, or seasonal, they're as important to your business as your permanent workforce and the more that you can get to know them find out how they are being you know looked after by the, the recruitment agency that will speak volumes and it's it's like everything it? a happy worker is a is a productive worker and yeah, yeah you've got that then you've got somebody that you can value and, and rely on as 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 your business needs it.
0: and you know what you see is ringing in uh, ringing in my head because it's some and, and the more people I've spoken to in this uh, in this sector, you know, related to what we're talking about, the importance of worker welfare cannot ever be under, underestimated because you may have processes in place, you have my systems in place, that's all great. That's one part of it. Actually being able to check on how they're getting on, having conversations with the workers, be that agency workers or your full-time permanent mm-hmm. staff, is such an important part of any workplace and I I would say that it's not I don't think it's ever it's ever gone. We we've gone through probably the worst, you know, coming up for the worst year we've ever had with regards to industry and commerce in the UK that I can remember anyway. And the stresses and strains on managers, first line managers, supervisors and um, may cause them to overlook these simple questions. How did you get on at the weekend? You know, what did you yeah. get up to? And and that's the part where we're humans. And if you bring that back in and, and you make it part of your job or you just let yourself be that sociable side of yourself come out, worker welfare starts to look after itself. Yeah,
1: I, I fully agree. And it's how we all want to be treated. It doesn't matter what job we're in, what environment we're in. We want to be treated with, with that dignity, with that respect, that consideration. And they don't cost anything. You know, yeah. that, that's the sort of... Yep. advice i you know i always give is is get to know your workforce and you know far too often they particular uh you know temporary workers they can almost become invisible they've become invisible and and that's where the risk lies is if you don't see that and you don't to acknowledge that the their their invisibility becomes their vulnerability yeah, absolutely
0: right,
1: yeah we you know we all need to uh yeah it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, Give back some of that, like you say, some of that common, common human traits that we all that we all yeah. value.
0: I don't think you can cha- you can change, change the way a human being is. And in a, in a digital era, as we're all growing up, and it's probably easier to speak. You know, I find that, um, my children prefer to send messages on a phone rather than actually, you know, communicate yeah. face. And as as we go through this generational change, I just hope we don't lose that touch because in certain industries, you know human beings in a labour workforce are paramount and it's um looking out for them and making yeah. it okay and also i think as a sideline don't hoover the mood off of off a place you know you know the stress and strains and all the rest yeah of things, you have to hold that back and people will talk to you if you talk to them at their level and, and it is
1: then thinking about the, the long term because yeah. that the payback will be there in, in time that that investment always comes it always comes back in and and Gives that that business that added value when it's when it needs it most.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, I think we've covered off quite a lot about who the GLA are, where you've come from, enforcement UK wide, and the difference between the, the nations in the UK. And um, I think about you know what what we're looking at with regards to modern slavery and labour exploitation. Uh, I understand that you're involved in some interesting projects with regards to education now, and this is about. Take it, stripping it all back, and 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 putting this into people's heads at an early age. Can you t- talk to talk to me a bit more about what you what you're planning and doing, Frank, and how it's working?
1: Yeah, we've been involved in a project. Uh, it's coming up to two and a half, three years now, in where we piloted initially some work in a further education college in Boston in Lincolnshire, because we wanted to introduce the subject of labour exploitation and modern slavery into that post 16 curriculum, because these are the the workforce of tomorrow. These are the students who are, you know, undergoing training, education in a whole range of vocational areas, such as construction, such as hospitality, hair and beauty. So they're entering this, the sectors looking for a career and and a career that's going to reward them. And one of the things we wanted to do was to give them that knowledge, that confidence to be work ready. So when they step into that new job, into that new career, they understand the the working world around them. And one of those key things, unfortunately, in today's society is that understanding of of modern slavery in the workplace. So we piloted uh, a range of different activities. We ran tutorials, projects, over the course of a full academic year. And then that was all evaluated by the the, the rights lab at the the University of Nottingham. And it really gave us a platform to think, what do we want to do next? We've done this project, it's it's been through some, you know, a a real time pilot using real students in the workplace or in in the college. So our next ambition is to create a national qualification on employment rights and on how to prevent exploitation in the workplace. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted to say we, we're now at the stage where the level one award, which is it's an introductory to the sub- subject, the content of that is, is completed. We've submitted it to Ofqual for approval. And when that is approved, uh, what we want to do is pilot it in a number of educational settings a- across the country. And from that, the. Lord,
0: if uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from a pilot, I suppose the essence of a pilot is that you're planning to expand it then, hopefully, if it's working. So, has it been successful then? And you're getting good results from it? And
1: well, we're waiting for that approval from Ofqual. The, the okay. pilot should start in the next couple of weeks. Oh, right. okay. And then it, it's rolled out to, as I say, we're, we're looking to target in the region of 1,000 students, but 1,000 students in some very diverse settings. So, not just in colleges, but also in the workplace as well, because right. This is something that would be of value to workers who may be re-entering the job market. They may be workers that are coming over from outside the UK and are not aware of the UK employment rights. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a, a really good way in which businesses can provide that support, provide workers with the confidence that should they witness or experience exploitation, not only do they know what it looks like, but they will also know where to go and how to, how to report it. So we see it as, as both a, a tool for, for schools and colleges, but also one in which employers or anybody that's got an interest in, 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 you know, in workforce relations as a way of raising that knowledge and awareness to their, uh, to their workers, particularly their vulnerable workers.
0: So I suppose that's you know it's getting people at the, at the start of their journey. I suppose isn't it, and before they're entering the workplace or setting up a business or whatever it may be, and giving them that knowledge not just for their own benefit, but when if, if they're in the workplace, what signs to look for, yeah, where the issues may lie, vulnerable workers, what that what that actually means. That's that's brilliant work, Frank. Yeah, and
1: and that's exactly it. Is to give them that wider view because they may not experience exploitation themselves, but they may, like you say, they may see it elsewhere. And at least then they know, as I say, what it looks like and, and, and what to do. And these are the, you know, these are the work, workforce of tomorrow. Yeah. So if we can instill in them that kind of knowledge and understanding, those workers will be tomorrow's supervisors, tomorrow's managers, tomorrow's business owners, and, and tomorrow's directors. So, giving them that grounding now, again, it's it's very much a long-term, almost slow-burn activity that we want to change that culture and understanding across the, uh, you know, across the the, the labour market.
0: Fantastic, Frank. We have covered a lot of information, uh, I, 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 and I must say that it's been really, really good speaking to you and getting so much from you. Uh, we'll put a link to the GLA website so that if anyone who wants to get any more information can get that from the website when, once this podcast goes out. Um, covered off a lot, and like I say, we started off talking about the cockle pickers and way back in 2004 and that really, really sad story, which I'm sure many people listening or watching will recall and gone through the journey of how the GLA has grown and, and where it sits now and some of the great work you're doing, particularly this this last project you've just mentioned with regards to education, uh, of the next generation of the workforce, which just instills this um, into their heads. So Frank Hansen from the Gangmasters and Labour Abuse Authority, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Chad.